Welcome to the Tell It As It Is podcast, your home for everything Colorado Avalanche on the Hockey Podcast Network. Your hosts, Griffin Youngs and Christian Boulay. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the Tell It Abs It Is podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. I am Griffin Youngs, joined by Christian Boulay. As always, we made it. This is the final episode of the Tell It Abs It Is podcast without regular season abs hockey. They will raise the Stanley Cup banner on Wednesday. We're right there. By the time you're listening to this, we're going to be a day closer. I can't believe it's actually finally here. It's been a very short offseason that's felt really long at the same time because so much has happened, but we finally made it. Opening night rosters are set. Everyone's cleared waivers. Kaut, Bowers, Maltsev, and Bleed all cleared waivers. There's nothing left standing in the way, but now we just got to play some hockey. Yeah, I can't wait, man. I get to um, I get to go to the game. I'm going to go to the red carpet thing they're doing beforehand. It's just going to be an absolute blast, and I really can't wait for it. Uh, I also, I didn't get to mention this to you. I, as a season ticket member, uh, they're doing an event where you can go take a picture with the cup uh in late october so i will get to take a picture with the cup and i am super pumped for that do you think uh, you could like photoshop me in somewhere yeah i will i'll, I'll put your face in there i think but, that yeah. we have that picture together me like doing the thumbs up can yeah you, i'll, I'll just, squeeze like, you in the background yeah, you just it. you just like stick me i'm not even like next to it i'm just like very much like vaguely in the background yeah just in the background i'm like a, so, i'm like a where's waldo you gotta find me yeah it, it, it's gonna be a blast i was on uh my weekly radio hit with my guys at denver sports betting and they were asking me for gambling advice on the abs on uh, on Wednesday against the Chicago. And I was like, there's no money to be made. The abs should blow them out. Like it's it's going to be hopefully a bloodbath because Chicago is actively trying to lose as many games as possible. So um I can't wait for it. And it's going to be an absolute blast. And everyone cleared waivers, so life's good. Yeah, we lost nobody. And so we're all good outside of a couple of injuries. You know what the best part about the start of the season is now that we've done this, our second full season doing this? We get to bring on our favorite guest. We're bringing back Raj. He's going to help set us straight and help get us set for the beginning of the season, same way he did last year. We were talking to him a little bit about how it's kind of full circle. This show actually survived a full season and made it to a second one to many people's surprise. To many people's surprise. Many, many people's surprise. No one ever believed in us. (laughs) People were actively preying on our downfall. That's what I tell myself every day, even though no one paid attention to it. But we've got Raj on talking about all things from Sam Girard, Alex Newhook, Alex Georgiev, looking at the rest of the West, pretty much the whole nine yards, everything that could even potentially be related to the avalanche. And a little bit of a spoiler, uh, we all have the abs going back to the Stanley Cup final, but yeah. who do we have them playing in the Stanley Cup final? And just what's going to be different about this season? How do you follow up a season like the abs just had? Everyone's expectations are so high, but everyone is so happy. It's just how do you, 
how's that all going to work this season? So Raj is always great for setting us straight. You'll get to hear his dulcet tones once again. Our favorite guest to have on the show by far, and I really enjoyed it. Yep, it was a great time. A good over an hour conversation with Raj. So thank you again, Raj, for joining on with us. But uh, let's let's let the bootless blah, blah. I'm out of words. Let's let the people listen to it. Yep. So we've, like Christian said, a little over an hour with Raj. I mean, the more the merrier with Raj. That guy yep. is always so gracious with his time with us. And we actually have proper uh, recording setups now, so we don't yes. actually have to have them interrupted. We're not constrained by artificial time limits. So we actually got to enjoy Raj for as long as we needed. And I hope you guys enjoy it. And we will talk to you for a little bit once that's over. All right, and we are joined once again by our favorite recurring guest on the show, Alex Rajaniemi, better known as Raj. Raj, thank you so much once again for joining us. We were talking to you right before we got started. This is kind of coming full circle for us. This was the first real episode me and Christian did as partners on this show. So it's it's great to have you back once again as we get ready for another season. Yeah, I'm happy to be back, fellas. Thanks for having me on. It's um, it's definitely a, a different show this time around, right? The last couple of times I've been on, it's uh, hopefulness and will they lose in the second round again? Are they good enough to finally get it done this year? And um, well, finally, we have answers to all those questions. Now it's, well, can they do it two times in a row? Absolutely. It's been uh, it's been probably since about April since we had you last on. A few things have changed, as you mentioned. The Avs, they win the Stanley Cup. Nazem Kadri out the door. Andre Burakovsky out the door. Darcy Kemper out the door bunch of new faces in and as as we're recording right now two days away from the banner raising ceremony against the chicago blackhawks so raj i gotta ask just like we did last year how do you just feel about this team going into this season is there any sense of real optimism they can do it again are you expecting a step back do you just feel like a weight's been lifted off of your shoulders just because they did it i think the answer can be yes to all of those things, right? Like it doesn't have to be yes or no um, exclusively. Can they do it again? Of course they can. Has a weight been lifted off of their chest? Yes, without a doubt. Three years of playoff failures um, in a row, whether or not you thought they were ready to win in that season, whether it was three years ago, two years ago, um, uh, or a couple of seasons ago when they lost to Vegas. Yeah, that weight's off their shoulders. Did they get a little bit worse? Yes, in certain areas, but um, one could argue that goaltending is probably a, a step to the side, maybe a little bit back. Uh, but this team is, it, it's great. Yeah, you have to replace a career year from Nazem Kadri, right? You've got 28 goals in 71 games to replace from him. Uh, you have 22 goals from Andre Burakovsky to replace. So there's a lot of scoring that you have to figure out, but if the Avs take a step back in scoring, they're still probably going to finish at the top of the central division uh, where a lot of people are, are, are scared about this team is all oh, they, they got worse in every position. Look at the blue line. The, the yeah. blue line arguably got better because Bowen Byron is healthy. And because Sam Gerrard is healthy, those six defensemen are terrifying, terrifying. Yeah. Right. And, and I know it's the, if healthy type of thing, but I, Kale, it's not out of the realm for Kale McCarr to sniff like a hundred point season. It, it's not. And uh, is your money going to go really far on a James Norris futures bet for him? No, he's like plus one twenty right now. Yeah. That's some of the best odds that I've seen. 
um, they're not going to get any better than that. So if you want to hop on that, be my guest, but it's not a great futures bet just because the value is not there. Devon Tate is the most underrated player in the league, this side of Sasha Barkov. Um, and then you've got Eric Johnson, who's, you know, on the second half of his career, but he can get paired with uh, a guy like Sam Gerrard or Bowen Byram. You have a full year of Josh Manson plus because they extend him. The blue line is far and away the best blue line in the league. So um, if they take a step back in goals, like what, maybe they score 3.7 a game instead of four a game. Bummer. They'll be fine. I We've talked about this on the show. Um, Sam Gerrard, for us, do you think he is in a prove-it type of year? Uh, if he doesn't have a solid year, do you think there's a possibility he can get moved? Because we've talked about on the show, and we are the biggest Sam Gerrard defenders out there. But with Bowen Byram lurking in the wings, with his potential and having to sign into a contract next offseason, if Sam Gerrard doesn't prove it this year, is there a chance he could get moved? I don't think he needs to prove anything, but he's the most movable contract on the roster, yep. right? He's a legitimate top four defense or top four pairing defenseman uh, in the league. He has a chance probably on half of the teams to quarterback a power play, right? He'd probably slot in on some PP one there. Um, he's on a second power play unit as it stands right now, but Byron probably slots in and takes his spot alongside Devon Taves. I saw a great article from from Peter Ball of The Athletic coming out and saying, could the Avs entertain a three-defenseman look on a second power play unit or maybe a special power play unit? That's a possibility. I don't think it really happens. I don't think he needs to prove anything. Sam Girard has proven who he is in this league. He's a quick, elite, puck-moving defenseman uh, that needs to be paired with a shut-down, body D-man so that when they get hemmed in their own zone, um, he doesn't have to deal with net front responsibilities all that often. You can just go into his zone defense, get your switches so that he's not man on man with some, you know, behemoth six foot four power forward, and he's just going to lose those battles because that's what happens when you're small guys. You get out muscled by bigger dudes. Um, I still think he's a, a definitive possibility to get to get traded this year or in the off season. Right? He's a five million dollar cap hit. That's really appetizing to a lot of GMs around the league. I threw around the idea of a team like Montreal might entertain trying to get that guy, right? Because Montreal has all the fixings right now on the offensive side to compete. Carey Price is going to be out for the year. Their defensive core is a joke. Like their number one defenseman is, is Dennis Savard. Yeah. Or Mike Matheson. It's not good. Or Mike. Yeah. yeah. So you tell me, right? There's a there's four no names on that on that uh, Montreal decor that I don't know. Like Drew Hellison, sorry, uh, Justin Barron rather didn't make the roster. He's going to start the year in Laval in the American League. Um, that I don't I don't know who plays defense for Montreal. This is a Spanish or Spanish speaking Christ, <laughs> a French speaking player right from that area knows the Canadians really well. Maybe they make a jump at him. Um, I'd hate to see him go, but there's going to be a time where this offseason comes up and you have. As you mentioned, Bowen Byram, you've got Alex Newhook, that if he buys in and wins the two-center role this year, that's a big contract that you have to sign on a bridge deal. Stan may have to be moved, and if it comes to that that point, you may get diminishing returns on him, which it would suck, but um, I, I would still argue that Sackick won the Duchesne deal because of him. 
Yes, he, he definitely did. draft pick. Yeah, no one wants to trade Sam Girard. It's just when you're this good of a team, and unless Sam Girard has an outstanding year, but we all agree that Bo Byram's he's come on the scene. He's going to be a fantastic defenseman. You're going to have to pay him some money. And it, it seems like Sam Girard's kind of the odd man out, which sucks because we've been Sam Girard defenders since the beginning, but he, he does become expendable. And I just didn't know if you were in the same mindset because I think it, it's just getting to that point where there's just not enough money to go around. No, there's there's really not enough money to go around, especially in the decor. Um, Miko Ranton on the yep. forward side has to come up for a new deal within two seasons as well, or sorry, three seasons if I'm correct. Yep. Um, so th- that money, that money starts to rear its ugly head, and with a flat cap uh, for this year, for essentially next year, it's going to go up by like a million, million and a half maybe until you get into the 2024, 2025 range where you're seeing a cap. Um, that's, you know, going north of $90 million, then uh, then you can entertain trying to bring a guy like that back, but it's just simply not going to happen. He's probably going to be a cap casualty. Um, but if you ask me, and again, just like you guys, I love Sam Girard. I, I think he gets a bad rap. I think he gets way, uh, he gets way worse of a reputation than he should simply because of his size. Um if you're going to make me choose between Bowen and Bowen Byram and Sam Gerrard, I take Bowen every day and I don't think about it ever. Completely agree. Completely agree. It it sucks, but that's just the nature of the business. It's the nature of the business now. So yeah. I mean, you mentioned a little bit about Alex Newhook. What, what are your thoughts on him? I stole Griffin's question. I'm sorry. I know he was going to ask that. Uh, I saw you. Tip of my tongue. Come on, man. I had, I had that one in the back. No, no, it's all good. I like that me and Christian are just always on that same wavelength. New Hook, New Hook's a guy, age 22 season. It's coming off a 30 point year. Uh, he played what 70 some odd games last year. He split time between wing and center, mostly on the wing because the team didn't really trust him uh, down the middle. Nor should they, uh, as a as a 21 year old player playing on on a cut bound team. You have to trust him this year. He has to turn into. Uh, exactly who you expect him to be. Does he need to put up 90 points like Nazem Kadri? No, he doesn't. Uh, does he need to double his output from last year and get up into the 60 mark? Yeah, he does. Because that's a guy who's going to slot into a second power play unit. Um, his big step is going to try and figure out what he can do uh, in in the faceoff circle. He only won 34% of his draws last year, which is abysmal even for this team, yeah, which is historically not a face-off. great faceoff taking yeah. team. Um, and when you kick a guy out like Nazem Kadri, who had, you know, he had a career down year last year at just south of 50%. When you take out arguably your best faceoff man, you need to find a way uh, to, to get those numbers back. And the Avs continue to be one of the best possession teams in the league, despite being terrible at winning faceoffs. Uh, my biggest thing for him is consistency. Can you do it on a night in, night out basis and be a, you know, half to three quarter point? per night guy if you can do that at age 22 you deserve your your bridge deal and you deserve to be the the two center and more importantly if he can take that role you save joe sackick and chris mcfarland draft picks because if he doesn't you have to go out and make a move right you're gonna have to go out and dish out uh, a first round pick or a second round pick and the abs unlike they or they haven't had it over the last couple of years they have first round picks in 2023 24 and 25 
sooner or later, you have to hang on to those and hope that those late first round draft picks end up working out. Um, Cause sooner or later, the free agency market, especially with the low cap, uh, the trade markets, you're not going to be able to hit a home run on Arturi Lekkinen every single time. Sometimes they're going to be a, uh, well, let's use another Scandinavian, a Mikel Boddicker, right? They're, it's going to happen <laughs> yep. sooner or later. Joe Sackick isn't perfect, and he's shown with that trade as well. Yep. Um, I expect Newhook to be between 50 and, yeah, let's go 55 and 60 points this year, win 45% of your draws, and mix in 20 points in the power play. I mean, Maybe that sounds a like a great season to me. Yeah, if, if you're Maybe, getting yeah, that, but let's let's call 15 points in the power play. Yeah, if you're if you're getting that from Newhook on the the entry level deal he's on, you're you're dancing. And like you brought up with the trade deadline and everything, it's just saving a ton of money. And by all reports during training camp and everything, Newhook looks stronger. He looks faster. And Bednar pretty much came right out and said in the press conference that Newhook is not just going to get these first couple of games at second line center. He's going to get a while to really see what they have in him there. And to me, that shows he's at very least showed something in the very few first weeks of training camp and everything that he is ready to to take that spot. And I really hope he is because it does seem like we're banking a little bit on it right now, but the development path that he's taken over the last couple of years has, I think is really going to start to pay off here. Yeah. He's, he's the type of guy that I believe can take the next step. Will he ever be a, you know, an 80 plus point player in this league? I, I don't think so. But uh, again, not many two line centers are one point per game players. They're just South of it. If he can turn into ah, who's a good, a good comp for him. That's been drafted recently. Again, like he a little bit better than Tage Thompson. Yeah, I mean Tage Thompson is that, is that a flash too low? pan type of guy for me. Like I need to see Tage Thompson do it again this year. Okay, um, but I I agree with everything you're saying. I, I think the Abs have taken his development the right way. He he got some time in the minors last year to get his confidence back, and if he can be that 55, 60 point a year a year guy, you're set. You're set for the next five six years there. Um, but I'm trying to think of a comp form too. Like, you know, who's a good comp, you know, who's a good comp. And it's, it's a team that's in vogue right now. Um, he's a first round pick. He has always been thought to slot in as a two line center, even at the beginning of his career, Josh Norris in Ottawa. Yeah, it's a good one. Right? Josh Norris that. was a guy who struggled his first year, finds a way or his first, uh, his first beginning of his first year, finds a way to figure it out at the end of that season. He finishes, I think he finished third or fourth in the Calder voting that year back in 2021. So. Right. He had, he had like 30. He had, okay. I've got a stats now. He's got yeah. 35 points in that season. You look at Alex Newhook. That's pretty comparable. The next season up where he starts to really take hold of that two center role in Ottawa, he throws in 55 points. And he's one of the reasons why they're, they're probably the sexiest team to pick to make the playoffs this year. After getting a guy like Claude Giroux, uh, having another full year of, uh, uh, of the younger Kachuk brother, um, possibly getting decent goaltending this season, Tim Stutzla, Drake Batherson, all these guys. He's he's the guy. If he can be Josh Norris, this team can can repeat without a question. 
Yeah. I, I don't want him to be Josh Norris though, because Josh Norris just got a bag, man. <laughs> he, just got, <laughs> he just signed a bag. Oh, dude. I, I don't yeah. know if just, I want that. Yeah, for... Josh Norris just signed just south of eight million dollars on an eight-year deal. So I mean, good for Alex Newhook if he can put up those Josh Norris numbers right now and get himself a nice little bag. But if that's the case, looking at next season might start to get a little pricey, especially down the middle with that yeah. contract. Kicking tell, dude, he's they they might they may be the perfect comp. They, they really might be. He is a uh, – right, he was drafted just a couple of years earlier. He played his college hockey at Michigan. Uh, he's only a couple of inches taller than Newhook, but they're largely the same size. Newhook's like 5'10", 5'11". Norris is a six foot six one type of guy. Uh, they're both drafted in the middle of the first round. I'm telling you, if that's the comp, which, again, if he puts up 55 points, you don't have room to sign for $8 million. Yeah. But I don't think that'd be the number. Yeah, I don't think no. so either, but – but that 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 that's a good comp. But I'm I don't want to pay him that much because then you probably won't be <laughs> but we'll go from there. What'd you have next, Griffin? I stole your last question, so I'll let you take this one. Well, this so is something, Raj, that you brought up uh, a little bit earlier, and something that I really want to get your take on. That's the Avs goaltending for this season. Now, obviously, Darcy Kemper signs in Washington. I don't think that was a huge surprise for really much of anybody. But they bring in Alex Georgiev from the Rangers. They pay a couple draft picks to get him. They gave Frankie the extension midseason. What do you make of this tandem? Do you believe that Georgiev can be that starting caliber goalie, or is this going to be more of a tandem thing? I think he's the one. Um, I believed in the Rangers, so a little, little like behind baseball for me. The Rangers are my second favorite team growing up, always have been. I, I follow them very closely, went to school in New York. My entire family's from there. So I've always been just a um, an ancillary Rangers fan. Yep. Um, it goes hand in hand with my Mets fandom. And we all saw how that <laughs> I'm went sorry, last man. night. It's I'm a sorry. really we're crappy very, We're very sorry for your loss. Yeah. Don't be sorry for the loss. I, I, I tell my friends, I got all these text messages this morning about – Oh man, like you got to feel gutted. I don't feel gutted. It's been 30 years of understanding that the Mets will let me down. This is <laughs> this is status quo. Like, yeah, this is nothing new for you. to win, that's when you check in on me because I might have done something to hurt myself had they won. Um, that aside, <laughs> I followed the Rangers for years. Followed Henrik Lundqvist for years. He was the guy. Like Georgiev was the plan. Was going to step in was going to be the guy to take over. They really liked how he played coming out of TPS, even though he goes undrafted in 2017. And it just happens that the Rangers find a diamond in the rough in the next best goaltender in the league in Igor Shosturkin, and he just loses his footing. And he had a pretty decent year when he got his first chance. And then when he started splitting is when you saw Alex Georgiev start to fall off and be really inconsistent. He's a better goaltender when he plays consistently. And I think this is just one of those those situations, much like a Philip Grubauer coming over uh, from Washington, where he just needed a change of scenery to get the shot. And Philip Grubauer was good enough for the Avs to win. I just don't believe that the team was good enough to get them there. The Avs won the cup last year with the worst goaltending performance since the late 1980s. Statistically. It, it was the impressive. worst goaltending one. performance since the late 1980s, and the Avs went 16 and four. Right, <laughs> the only team that they lost more than a game to was the team that's been to the Cup final three years in a row. That's nuts, right? That's a historic run with historically bad winning goaltending, and I think they're going to get worse goaltending in the regular season because Darcy Kemper was a you know 
top 10 Vesna finisher last year. He had a very good regular season. I think they're going to be just a little bit worse in the regular season, but I think they're going to be just a little bit better in the postseason. And if fans are asking, or can this guy do it, or can this tandem do it, that's that's the conundrum I would bring to you. Would you be okay with the ads struggling a little bit more in the regular season, giving up a few more goals than you expected during the 82-game stretch, but not having those, well, I, I can't call them backbreakers, because again, they... They won every series either by sweep or in five games other than the cup final. Would you take a little bit better goaltending in the in the playoffs as that trade? And I think you would. Oh, 100%. Like, yeah, and I also wanted to go back to one of the things you said about Georgiev's uh, tandem with the Rangers. Something we forget about is that Lundqvist did not retire right away when Shesterkin came in. And Georgiev, for a couple years, was number three. So his frustration with the Rangers and not being able to get any playing time is a, a very valid point, especially considering just how bad their defense was last year. And that makes Shesterkin's run even more impressive that he was able to be that good in front of that. But getting Georgiev consistent games behind this abs defense, I fully believe that he can do it. It's just a matter of we got to see it first because we can make speculation all the live long day, but He's looked good in the preseason so far. Like there's really been not much to complain about from him. And it's just now we got to see it. We're locked in. And I totally agree on the Grubauer thing. Grubauer was kind of buried behind Holtby for a while. He got his chance when Holtby struggled in the cup run or before the cup run, then got replaced, comes to Colorado, absolutely starting goalie. But going back to Frankie as well, I think some people overlook that Frankie is the goalie that swept the Oilers in the Western Conference Final. Man, went 6-0, and man. Yeah, yeah, he won every game that he played in the playoffs. And so even if there's a time that Georgiev takes a minute to get adjusted to the system, like especially towards the start of the season, I think Georgiev might not be the best just because that's generally how it works with goalies on Just like teams. Kemper. Just like Kemper, just like Grubauer. And so I fully believe in Frankie's ability to, to carry this team as well. And we might be looking at this in March, talking about how the Avs suddenly go from questionable goaltending to a, a really solid tandem. And what Sackick's been able to do is, over the years, he's kept his goaltending room in terms of cap low every single year, right? Uh, this is the year that people expected the Avs to be in cap hell. This year and next season, certainly when McKinnon's $12.6 million extension uh, kicks in, making him the highest paid player in the league, uh, Sackett's been able to keep those rooms under $6 million, which is crazy. Uh, I think Francois is the best backup in the league. I think he's a starter on uh, five, six teams in this league, but I think he's better fit as a backup or as a 1B option. It allows Georgiev to play, I don't know, maybe 50, 55 games this year. You keep his legs fresh. If you get a good year out of Alexander Georgiev, which is statistically – if you average his two best seasons from 2018 and 2019, like a 912 save percentage and about three goals against, you get nearly the exact stats that the Avalanche goaltenders had over the 82 game regular season last year. So if you get young Alex Georgiev, where he got his first chances to play north of 30 games in a season, you're going to get the same statistical goaltending you got last season. Yeah, without a doubt. That, that's, that's okay. We'll take that all day. But a point that you just touched on too, and it needs to be credited to Joe Sackick and that team. 
a lot of other teams have tried to emulate and keep their goalies under six million and it's failed. We saw it with the Oilers. They're trying their best to keep their cap hit for them under that. And it's failed miserably. So the fact that Sackick has done this remarkably well the past three, four years and not paying a goalie long-term and big money, you have every right to believe, or you should believe that this is going to work because with the abs defensive system, if you're just a, a good goalie, you're going to be in the Vesna conversation with how good the defensemen are. Right. Just yeah, you, you, you might not win it, but you'll finish like seventh. Yeah. Yeah. You'll you will be in the conversation. And Group. you know what that's good for? A freaking five or six million dollar a year deal over six years. And correct. You go get your bag, Philip Grubauer and Darcy Kemper. Yeah, no, I, I do believe I do believe that Gruby's going to have a little bit of a bounce back year this year, but you definitely saw when he wasn't playing with the Avs, uh, it was not good. So yeah. <laughs> um, there's, there's no Kale McCarr. That's that's Vince yeah. Dunn as your number one defenseman in Seattle now. Yeah, that, it's it's going to be interesting. But I did just want to touch. You tell on, me, Jamie Alexiak doesn't move pucks like Kale. No, I mean you got just the corpse of Justin Schultz in there too. It's probably is, not very good. Is, bear, but, real question: Is Jamie Alexiak in the Avs top six? Is he five or six? No. Yeah. You think so? Yeah, I do. Interesting. I, yeah. I, I would I would go a little bit different route, but I just love the our six so much that I'm just I'm just stuck with it. But I, I wanted to touch on another a guy we talked a little bit about earlier, but we kind of breezed over. What can Kale McCarr do this year to build upon last year? Because I remember you came on this show last year and you talked about how he would be at the end of the year, the second best player in the NHL. Lo and behold, the rankings come out. He's, he's the second best player in the NHL. What yeah. can he, yeah. What can he do to improve on that this year? Like what's improvement for Kale McCarr this year? Win an MVP. Yeah. that's what I, I don't know, man. Like he's 24 and he's already accomplished pretty much everything. So um, he has the fourth. He has the fourth shortest odds in the league to win the MVP at plus twelve hundred. Uh, that's behind Connor McDavid at plus two eighty, Austin Matthews at plus four hundred, and Leon Draisaitl at plus one thousand. The next player after Kale McCarr is his teammate Nathan McKinnon at plus fifteen hundred. You have to go all the way down, and I'm scrolling, 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 still scrolling until you get to Roman Yossi at plus 7,500 wow. to find the next defenseman on the heart rankings. That is 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. Make it 27 spots lower than Kale McCarr. That's the difference between Kale and Roman Yossi in their importance and their value to the league right now. The only thing he can do to improve upon what he did last season is for me, you have to, I wouldn't say win an MVP because we haven't seen, we haven't seen a heart trophy defenseman in what, 20 years since Long Chris time. Pronger. Long time, especially on this Avs team where there are so many good players that are just stealing votes from each other. It's near impossible. A hundred would a hundred point season do it for you. Cause he had 86 last year. <laughs> Would 100 points do it for me? Yeah, I, I think I would take that. Yeah. Because I mean, he, he does everything at such an elite level. And it, it gets to the point where it's almost like nauseating to talk about it. But he just continues to – and again, we had him in studio the other day. He came in to do some work for BioSteel, like some some voiceover work. And he, he hopped in studio with Josh Dover 
and Chris Dempsey and Scott Hastings. He was just talking about the season last year, and the guys are playing clips back of uh, him shattering Kirby Doc's ankles and uh, winning that game in overtime against the Chicago Blackhawks. And then they played highlights of him being handed the the Con Smythe Trophy as playoff MVP. And he just feels like he doesn't want anything to do with it. And it's it's amazing to me to see someone who is the best at their craft by a large margin be that humble and just let everyone talk about me. And I, I just don't want to be in the same room when you guys talk about me. It's almost, he almost <laughs> feels uncomfortable about it. That's the reason why I can continue to talk about it and gush about him. Right. If he was, if he was some jackass, you know, you know, pimping his shirt, look at me, look at me. <laughs> Speaking of the shirt. Um, yeah. If you guys, are you guys selling this to people yet? The, the, oh, yeah. the all hail oh, camera shirt. Oh, we're if selling you guys them. haven't gotten, looks great. Game of Thrones. If you're also not watching House of Dragon, get out from under the rock. What are you doing? <laughs> um, he's he's remarkable. I kept saying you're we're seeing Brian Leach. We're not seeing Brian Leach. We're seeing Bobby Orr. Yep. Yeah, it's crazy because he's just. It's crazy how fast it happened because we all knew he was going to be this superstar defenseman, but I don't think anyone could predicted that he'd be the second best player in the NHL when we drafted him. We thought oh. he'd be a really good defensive player, but well, Raj got it last year, but when we first drafted him, we weren't, we weren't thinking he was going to be that, but Holy shit. Yeah, I just, remember when it was a debate between him and Mira Heiskanen. Yeah. And him and Quinn Hughes. Good times, man. Good times. Oh, man. That, that, that Hughes debate feels like forever ago, but Raj, just getting back to your point on Bobby Orr, one thing I've said, about Kale is that we are witnessing right now the defining player of a generation, essentially like this, this generation's version of the Ovechkin and Crosby, where everyone says they modeled their game after this guy. We're going to see just over the next 10, 20 years, over the next couple of decades, all these new defensemen coming in saying they grew up watching Kale McCarr and how he changed the game. And that we're not just witnessing this guy's an amazing defenseman, the best player in the league. This is a, a game-changing kind of player, the kind of point in time where we say the Kale McCarr era and how he changed things for everyone. I don't think 100 points is out of the realm of possibility, which is that shouldn't even be possible. It should. Neither do I. I, I, I really don't. And I know – leagues nowadays hate giving awards to guys every single year it it feels that way in the nba right they just want to give it to like who's next it it felt like that for a long time with the norris trophy and i think voters got sick and tired of the same guy winning it every single season so it just turned into this almost lifetime achievement award like it's now your time to win it you know you go right yeah pk suban uh, Brent Burns, uh, again, Giordano's a perfect, perfect uh, example of that. I think starting in 2021, you may see a regression back to what we saw in the 2000s with Nick Lidstrom winning six out of seven Norris Trophy votes. He He might be so good that the league has no choice but to just continue to give it to him. I, I don't see the league being able to, to slow him down. I, I don't. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I mean I, go for it, go for it. I was just going to say, I mean, look what it took last season for it to even be close with Roman Yossi. It took Roman Yossi having the most points of any defenseman since Brian Leach having that historic season and still falling short. And is someone like Yossi, Fox, Hedman going to have a season like that again while we're talking about Kale McCarr 
at 100 points and being one of the best defensive defensemen in the league, not just a guy who just shoots 50 pucks at the net a game. It truly has to be something historic or just Kale isn't available in order to unseat him to win the Norris. Yeah, last year last year was close, right? Uh, Kale had, what, it was 25 more votes than Roman Yossi yeah, last year? I think so it Yossi was had more first-place votes. Yossi had more first-place votes, but Kale was just so entrenched in the top two that mm-hmm. he ended up winning it. Razor-thin margins, and it took a guy who had 96 points in a year uh, to do that. I, I don't see that happening again. I see Yossi having a pretty darn good year because he's going to have to uh, to force offense on that national team this season. Will he be in the 80 to 90 range again this year? Probably. I don't see him putting up close to 100 again just because that's such an anomaly for a defenseman to do it year in and year out, especially when you're north of 30 years old like Yossi is. I think your top four again is going to be, you know, Makar, Yossi, Hedman, and then pick your poison between – uh, Adam Fox or Quinn Hughes or, uh, you know, Charlie McAvoy maybe with the Boston Bruins. But I, I think it's, I think it's a pretty clear race for second place. Yeah. And, yeah. and it's, it's a joke that Victor Hedman only has one Norris trophy because it's not winning anymore. Yeah. He's not winning anymore, but it, we're going to look back and be like, what the hell happened to Victor Hedman? But I did want to pivot again. You mentioned him earlier, Nathan McKinnon. Signed his contract. He's going to be the highest paid player in the NHL by $100,000 next year, which is hilarious. Cup tax. Yeah, the cup tax was hilarious. What are your expectations for McKinnon this year? Uh, Are are we thinking this is the year he finally gets over 100 points? He has to, right? It's been so long. Uh, If he plays a full 82-game schedule, I think it's a foregone conclusion that it'll happen. And last year was a crazy season for him, right? He goes through that stretch where he just can't find the back of the net. He's shooting at like 3% through his first 30 games of the year. And that just doesn't happen to a guy uh, like Nathan McKinnon. He only plays 65 games, but still finds a way to end up with just South of 90 points. I think he finished with 32 uh, and 56 for 88 points last year. If he plays North of 76 games this year, He's gonna he's gonna eclipse the 100 point mark. It's just gonna be really tough for him to. Uh, I don't think he'll ever win an Art Ross, just because of those those juggernauts up in Edmonton that just feed off each other. You're gonna have guys like uh, like Drysital and and McDavid putting up 120 130 point years. Uh, I just don't think he can get there. I do think he can win. I do think he can win a Hart Trophy. He has to at this point. The fact he hasn't won one yeah. is ridiculous. But I, I, we joke about it. It's crazy to think he hasn't hit a hundred points. But I mean, how, the, how many how many things can get in the way for one yeah. player of a hundred point season? You go back to the. I almost just reflexively said his MVP season because in my mind he won that, not Taylor Hall. Because that's the Taylor still, Hall year. Still yeah. so ridiculous. He gets ninety nine points in eighty two games. The next year, 93 and 69 because of the pandemic shortening the season. And every, oh, I'm sorry, that's I am right. That is the next season and everything. And then obviously the shortened season, 48 games, 65 points would have easily eclipsed 100 points. Last season, 88 and 65. You you give him those extra games easily hits 100 like this. This has got to be it, right? It has to be it. 
It has to be. I don't know if this is the year that he ends up winning that trophy, but I think he gets over that 100-point mark. Um, again, he's not going to go through the the type of season that he did last year where he just can't find a way to score. Right? Yeah. He was he was as snake bitten as we've ever seen any player. Uh, he goes that huge stretch in the month of December and in November, uh, actually dated all the way back to the end of October where he doesn't find a way to, to, to put the puck in the net, right? He goes one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 games in a row uh, without scoring, but he's just still racking up the assists every single night. And again, he was shooting like 2.7% through the team's first 30 games of the year. And then he hit his stride and he found a way to get over that 30 goal plateau. He shot 10% overall for the year. I don't see him going through that again. And if, if he even shoots at 6%, right? If he shoots at 7% through the first 30 games of the year, that'll put him on pace to have a hundred point season. I mean, if he, if he has a season like he did from January on, we're not just talking about hundred points. Like he could hit 50 goals shooting like yeah. that. Absolutely. Cause this is, this is Christian's proudest prediction. It is, I think it was, January 3rd when McKinnon had three goals he said McKinnon's gonna finish the season with 30 plus goals and he has never let anyone hear the end of that because he actually so the one was right man it was the one time I I was right I'm happy for you so I was on the bench last year coaching my team and this was the same conversation me and one of my coaches and we were having this argument about you know what the heck's going on with Nate? And I was like, he's just literally the unluckiest player in the world right now he's playing fine he's still putting up points and this was probably in this is probably in like early December. So the team had gone through, you know, I don't know, 20 games at that point. He was still performing, still putting up points. He'd only had one game in those first 20 where he didn't record a single point. Every other one, he had at least a point. He had, you know, he had a five point game in early January. He had a couple of three point games in October and early December. And I was telling this guy, I was like, I guarantee you, guarantee you, he finishes with North of 90 this season. And we put the, we, we put the over under at 89 and a half. He took the under, I took the over. I thought it was the best bet that I had ever made. And Nate was buzzing at the end of the year, buzzing, still put or filling up the stat sheet. And he has 88 points going into the final game of the season. And I'm sitting there texting with Connor McGahee and Mark Mosier. Cause I don't know if Nate's on the freaking plane and this is the abs going out for game 82 where there was, they playing Arizona. Who are they playing in they the were, last game of the year? Lewis, it was Nashville. It was Nashville. Nashville. I knew it was a divisional. Opponent. Yeah. Was it final game of the year? The abs sit freaking everybody. Yep. And I'm sitting there on my phone, knowing that I'm going to have to pay in for a round of golf for my Minnesota. buddy. If Nate's not on the flight and Connor and, Connor and Moj are sitting like way in the back. They can't see the players and they don't let me know until that next morning what was happening. Nate <laughs> didn't get on the flight. He stayed home. I lost the bet. He finishes with 88 points. It, it was crazy. It, it was Minnesota. You're right, Griffin, because yeah, I remember was Minnesota, Minnesota was dancing on our graves. They were like, oh, we beat them. And then sure enough. Yeah, because we didn't play anybody. And yeah. second half of a back-to-back plus didn't ah. play anybody. I love Minnesota so much. They they just keep me entertained to no end. <laughs> So what, I don't, I don't trust them. Oh, I don't either. either. Thank you. Jesus. I feel like me and Chris have been the only people on earth saying that like, are the wild really that good? I don't trust their aging goaltending. I don't trust their blue line. I do trust Kirill Kaprizov. That guy's yeah, the freaking truth. 
we're, we were talking about heart. I think Kaprizov is definitely up there for the heart. Can, but that's also considering what else I don't believe in with the Wild, which is pretty much right. Right. Like if the Wild finish second in the division, he's going to be up there in hard trophy votes because he'll have a 110 point season or something crazy like that. Hey, everybody. Hope you've been enjoying this episode so far. Interrupting to bring you a word from our sponsor at DraftKings Sportsbook. Hockey fans, it's finally time to hit the ice again. And thanks to DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, you're in for the season of a lifetime. New customers can bet $5 on any team and get $200 in free bets if they win. The Avalanche starting in just a week against the Chicago Blackhawks for their home opener, going up against the Calgary Flames the next night, following that up just a couple days later against the Minnesota Wild. This season is going to get off to a bang right away, and you can get in on all of the action with DraftKings Sportsbook every single night from money line to puck line to individual player props, no matter what you're thinking of, DraftKings has got it for you. And if that's not enough excitement, you can turn small bets into bigger payouts with same-game parlays. Combine multiple bets like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more for your shot at an even bigger payout. And best of all, DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. So what are you waiting for? Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN, bet $5 on any NHL team to win their game, and get $200 in free bets if they do. That's code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Now, back to the episode. Who do you think is the toughest competition in the Central for the Avs? Because Griffin and I did our season preview episode last, or yesterday, Sunday. Why why don't Um, we extend that to the entire West? Because I feel like in the Central, it's such a short list. Like, who do you think is the biggest threat, like, just in the entire Western Conference? Calgary. Agreed. Really? Yeah, dude, I think think Jonathan Huberto up there is a, a perfect fit for Brent Sutter. A perfect fit. I love the addition of Nazem Kadri. I think Calgary is is a legit threat to win the West. That would be my expectation is that they they win the Pacific um, or they finish second in the Pacific and find a way to get past Edmonton because I like their goaltending far better uh, in in who's it Jacob Markstrom down there. Yep. Uh, I think Elias Lindholm is coming off of a great year as well. They get a legit top-pairing defenseman in Mackenzie Weger from Florida. If you ask me about those two teams, right, right, the the craziness of the offseason, you know, you don't see trades like that. You don't see Kachuks and, and Huberto's off 100-point seasons being traded different teams. I think Calgary won that trade in spades. I, I don't disagree with you. I, I just think – with Calgary, the thing that scares me is there's no way Nazem Kadri can repeat what he did last year. That's the only thing. But does that he need me. to? Exactly. Yeah, that's exactly. true. That would be my point. It's like we they don't really need Kadri to be at a hundred point pace. If he scores seventy and eighty two, you're still getting great worth at seven million dollars. Is just I believe in Calgary if it all gels together. 
It's just right now it's a bunch of maybes and everything. And just because there's a chance that they get all these guys, it takes forever for them to, to gel and everything. But it's not like they haven't committed to them for the next seven years. So I guess it really doesn't. They guess they got all the time in the world. I have Edmonton ahead of them in the regular season, but I think Calgary is the tougher out between the two, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're a harder playoff team to play against. They've got the better blue line uh, on paper. They have the better goalie. I don't know what to think of Jack Campbell. He can be Team USA gold medal winning Jack Campbell, or he can go through those stretches where he looks like he's not even an American League starter. He's uh, He had that stretch last year with Toronto, right? He looked unbeatable, and then in the middle of the season, he was just lost. Yeah. Uh, I think Calgary's the toughest out in, in the West. Edmonton could be scary, but again, they just don't defend. They simply don't defend well enough uh, to compete in the playoffs yet. And that could be a big issue for them moving forward. In terms of the Central, I know I don't trust them, but Minnesota on paper should be the toughest competition in the Central Division, followed really closely by St. Louis, um, especially if you get you know good Jordan Bennington. St. Louis is going to be a tough out. They've got good centermen. Uh, their blue line is something to be left wanting. It depends how much you like Tori Krug. It depends how much Not you much. like Colton Pareko. I think they're, I think they're a sexy pairing to look at, right? Those two yep. guys, right? You've got this puck moving D man. He's small. He can run the first power play unit. You have this huge bruising, uh, smooth skating Colton Pareko, but I don't put either of them as like elite. I put them at both very, very, very good. They're not elite. Right. Like it, to them, I look at their defenses. They have two really good second pairs, but they they yeah. don't they don't have that knockout punch that the abs have with no one right. comes close to this, but just for comparison, Kale McCarr, Devontae's. St. Louis scared me more when Alex Petrangelo was on the blue line. Like that yeah. guy, that guy still scares the crap out of me. I, I know, I know advanced metrics haven't been kind to him over the last couple of years and uh, in Vegas, and we obviously have the audio clip of him saying, oh boy, when <laughs> Nate's barreling down him in the outdoor game uh, on Lake Tahoe, he's still a damn good shutdown defenseman in the playoffs. Um, speaking of that Vegas team, I don't, guys, I don't know if they make the playoffs. I think, they, I think they could be a team that like is gripping it come the trade deadline. Yeah, I mean, this is, this is probably the – that's the team I'm most interested to watch this season is Vegas because I don't think they win the Pacific. They're not the the dangerous cup contender threat that they were even at the beginning of last season, but they could miss the playoffs. They could be a genuine playoff team. It's just, there's so many questions around them right now. They it, like, is Logan Thompson a starting goalie? Like, do they have enough depth? Like is put, playing Michael Amadio on your third line going to be that great? Like how is Jack Eichel going to be like, there's, there's really no other team that comes that close to me to being just as fascinating as they are. Cause if they miss, they the are, players, if they miss, they are fascinating. Miss. They did what they had to right? They, they broke the mold in their first season. They realized that they had a really short window to go out and compete and you have to leverage assets, right? You have to move a guy like Nick Suzuki, who's now wearing the C uh, in Montreal for the Canadiens and is part of like a really good young forward core there for Marty San Louis. Uh, you move Eric Brandstrom to Ottawa, right? There, there's all these moves that you have to do to go, you know, leverage your future for a cup run now. And they had a couple of really, really good chances at it. If it all comes down to the goaltending, I think Jack Eichel is going to be great. 
If Mark Stone can stay healthy, that's excellent for them. They find a way to keep uh, Riley Smith on the roster, which is nuts. Jonathan Marchessault is the biggest pest this side of the Mississippi. Um, I wouldn't say in the entire league because that's still the rat Brad Marchand in, in <laughs> Boston, but he's pretty darn close uh, second to him. I like their forward unit. I really like Shade Theodore. As I told you, I like or love Alex Petrangelo, but that goaltending is – it could be American Hockey League goaltending. Unless Logan Thompson shows up, and he, he seemed to play really well against the Avs last year, did Logan Thompson. Um, if he shows up that way, then yeah, they're a legit playoff contender in a, in a team. But if if it turns out that he's not a legit number one, the Pacific Division's really intriguing. Yes. Yeah, the, I mean, the, I think, Christian, go ahead. I've, I've tripped up way too many people. Today. Yeah, no, no, you're good. You know. The Pacific, to me, we were talking about this too on our, our Western Conference preview show. The Pacific may be better than the Central this year just because of the fact that Chicago and uh, Arizona are both actively trying to lose as many games as possible. So <laughs> I think that brings down the Central Division. But there are so many teams in the Pacific that intrigue the living hell out of me. Like I, Vegas is intriguing. Vancouver. Yeah, sometimes like, we just forget Arizona's in the league because they don't yeah. act like it. Yeah, and Vancouver, I think, is going to be interesting. But the, it's going to be a hell of a time in, in the Western Conference. But in my opinion, the abs are still clear and cut above everyone else. Yeah, they, again, you look at the West, man. They're, they're the best team in the West. They, they, they really are, bar none. Calgary's a second. Edmonton's a third. Uh, pick your poison out of Minnesota and St. Louis is the fourth best team in the West. I don't think Seattle makes the playoffs this year. But San Jose, certainly not. Uh, Anaheim's not going to sniff the playoffs. I think Vancouver can be a dark horse. I think LA is putting the right things together at that, uh, at that organization to make a run at it. I don't think Dallas makes the playoffs this year. Um, I think they might be like just on the outside looking in. I they may get the bump for the new head coach this year. Like you might get that, you know, rah rah. There's more new energy. You're not playing for freaking Rick Bonus anymore. That's yeah. true. I didn't think about that. And there's also the Ottinger possibility that like he just turns into that superstar right. we saw in the playoffs. Yeah, because he he has that um he has that Connor Hellebuck you know type of uh type of ability where he can be a legit Vesna Trophy. Uh, finalists th- this season they're they're uh they're an enigma to me right they could be as good as like second place in the in the central or they can miss, miss the playoffs entirely completely agree completely agree but i i, I guess we'll we're, we're getting close what what do you think do you think the abs repeat is that that's the question on everyone's tongue because the possibility is there for the Western conference to be their conference for the next three or four years. Do you think they'd make another run at it this year and win the cup? All the pieces are there. Uh, they really are. It, it comes down to goaltending, right? If Georgiev is the answer and he shows that he's the answer, of course they can do it. Uh, it comes down to that position. It comes down to second line center. Can Alex Newhook take the reins? If he can't, can JT Comfer step in? Or do they go out and make a trade uh, at the deadline to go bring in some type of veteran player to shore up? But you look up and down that roster, it is, it, it's legit top to bottom. You get a full year out of Arturi Lekkinen, who is 
Um, he's a guy who's ready to break out and, and to be a legit point producing winger in this league. He's arguably the best four checking player uh, in the Western conference and maybe his own teammate or his own line mate and Valeria Nachushkin has something to say about that. I, I firmly believe that they get back to the cup final. I think they can repeat. I won't say that they will or they won't. Like, it's so tough, man. I know we saw the Penguins do it. I know we saw the Tampa Bay Lightning do it and get to three straight. But as easy as the Avs made it look at 16-4, and four, it's typically not that smooth a sailing. Like, uh, they did it 16-4 and four, dealing with a bunch of big, big-time injuries last year. Yeah, gun to my head, do they do it? And I have to give you a yes or no, I'd say yeah, because they're the best team in the league. That's good radio right there, Raj. You, you, you went all the way around, and we we, we love that because we're on the same boat. Um, I, I know Griffin is in the same mindset of me, and it, it's theirs to lose. Like I do think the Eastern Conference, you're going to see the same thing. That is such a good conference. They're going to beat the hell out of each other for whatever yeah. team gets there. And in the West, I just don't know if, the, if there's going to be that much of a challenge for the Avs. Yeah, I mean, I just think it comes down to, like, if the Avs don't make it to the Stanley Cup final, I think something happened along the way like yes Georgiev got hurt Makar is at least banged up I just don't see a team like it goes back to last season the playoffs how do you beat the abs four times out of seven without them doing it to themselves because generally the four losses that they had in the playoffs I'd say at least three of them you could point out like they just were not playing well and they kind of had the McKinnon hat trick game are you kidding me yeah they they, they they blow that yeah, they gave that game away. And I'd say the like in that game too, Darcy Kemper wasn't great. In game three against Tampa Bay, Darcy Kemper wasn't great and they weren't playing great. Game five, Kemper had a couple of bad goals. You fix a couple of those things. We're talking about 16 and one. So even if they are taking a step back in some areas, I don't feel like anyone in the West got that much better that we're going from Colorado sweeping Edmonton to Edmonton all of a sudden being able to unseat them in a seven game series. No, and it wasn't Edmonton. Again, I I firmly believe Calgary is the most improved team in the West and are the toughest out for them in the playoffs. Uh, The odds makers say right now that, and it's a stark difference across everyone in the league right now to win the conference. The abs are like plus 190 plus 170, plus 200, depending on where you can get them to win the Western Conference. The next team in that conference, Edmonton at plus 500, Calgary at plus 800. If you go over to the East, the lowest odds to win the Eastern Conference are not in the ones, they're not in the twos, they're not in the threes. It's Toronto at plus 450. So like Vegas is telling you it's Colorado and then everybody else. So Typically, those guys are right. Obviously, those lines are made to make sure that people are betting on either side of them so that they can find a way, uh, you know, with the VIG to win their money. But um, it, it does tell you who's favored and for what reason. The Avs are the best team in the West, the best team in the league, uh, and the numbers should tell you that they're going to get right back there, right? If they're healthy, they should win another cup or at least give themselves a shot to. Now, I, I will ask about this. And this is something that I've been curious about over the last couple of days. Do you believe in lines three and four for this team? Because it looks like right now, Lucas Sedlock and Anton Bleed are going to start the season. Landis Gog is going to be out for a little bit. Helm, at least for the first little while of the season. 
Do you believe in this depth right now where it looks like Andrew Cogliano is going to be getting third line minutes, or are we just going to be looking at this in April after the trade deadline and it's not a big deal anymore? I, I think that's going to be the answer is that when everyone's healthy, you're going to look at lines three and line four and go, why were we worrying about this in the preseason? Um, right. Like Sedlak as your center, is there a possibility that, you know, Martin Cout has to come up and play games in the beginning of the season uh, from the American League. Do you ever see a Shane Bowers sighting? Um, these are problems for October that we're not even going to remember happened. Um, if this was the lineup going into the postseason, then I'm scared. Right? I, I if, if, Anton, if Anton Blit and Lucas Sedlak are your fourth line wing combo and you have Ben Myers centering a third line with Logan O'Connor and Andrew Cogliano playing, you know, north of 12, 13, 14 minutes in a playoff game, then it's panic time because then something happens, right? That means Gabe Landeskog's out. That means Nathan McKinnon was out. That means, you know, a, a top six player that is playing legit minutes for you and is expected to score and compete for you is not available. That's when you can panic. In October, if they lose, if they go 500 in October, big deal. Oh. That's, that's something we've talked about so much on this show. We're going to have a like a running bit probably until like December where if we lose, Christian has to explain to me why I should care about it at all, especially in October. I mean, they went 500 last year in October and I was freaking out after Columbus and they just tore through the rest of the season. Like we were talking about that Calgary game on my birthday on the 13th. If they lose that game by less than three, I'm I'm perfectly <laughs> yeah that game's gonna be ugly it, it, it could be a rough game for the abs just because Calgary's crazy offseason they're gonna be coming out and just firing so if the abs can get a point out of that game that's a win for me I'm not into moral victories but that game is going to be probably very interesting to watch because the abs could get the, the doors blown off them I think I, I spoke to you guys last year especially in April about the you know the slog of the regular season how yeah. Uh, the three years of playoff failure were kind of getting to me and where we would do, you know, game 46 of the regular season, the abs lose, you know, three to two against freaking Arizona or something like that. And people are losing their minds. And I, I was having this, this weird uh, conundrum where I had fans who were upset about how the abs were doing so well in the regular season, but couldn't find a way to get it done the postseason, right? They were they were pushing too hard for the President's Trophy, right? They were doing too much in the regular season. They didn't have enough in the tank for the playoffs. And then I had these fans who were, well, why are you losing game 46 to Arizona? Because <laughs> that's unacceptable too. And and I, I found myself almost every loss going, you can't have it both ways. Either the regular season matters more than anything, or it doesn't. It it can't be both. You just can't live that way. So you're going to see them take a little bit of a step back in the regular season. I expect them to, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. No. They're still built to win. Oh. Yeah. I mean, that's just what it is at the end of the day. The regular season is a qualifier for the playoffs. It's just about where you're ranking. It's important for teams like Ottawa, where they're trying to make the playoffs, but for a team yeah. like us, where we're going to make the playoffs, unless they're the biggest catastrophe we've seen from a team in the last 20 years happened. This team's good. I wonder what the odds oh. for the abs not to make the playoffs are. Oh, it's got to be ridiculous. Yeah, it's got to be something absolutely absurd. And it should be because the regular season for this team is not going to matter. If they lose game 37 to friggin' Buffalo, 
or whatever. Like it's if if anything, that's going to be one of the positives of this year is that we're just all not going to be super stressed and high strung halfway through the season for once. The abs to make the playoffs this season are minus 3000. That's pretty good odds. <laughs> that's pretty good. That is insane. Yeah. We'll take that. I mean, it, it, it's just going to be a fun, a f- like I wouldn't say fun regular season. Cause we're not like you. The fact you have to do a show after every game has got to be, got to be a little rough, but uh, rough, we're going to struggle to doing worse things. <laughs> yeah, that's true. We're, we're going to have to um, really see what, the regular season is going to be like, cause I, I just, I we're in the Tampa Bay range where the regular season just doesn't matter. Who cares? Like Tampa Bay's started the last like three playoff series on the road and they're fine. Like, yeah. And they, they're just so good that it's not even a big deal for them at all. Like they, they can go into Toronto for game seven and win that they can go and sweep the Panthers and take care of the Rangers and everything. Like when you're a team like Tampa and the avalanche, I fully believe are in that zone now is that you can afford to do things like that in the regular season where it's just like save it for the playoffs. If if we don't win the central, it's because of that, really, if we're being honest. Probably. So that's that that that's the expectation, right? Win the central, get your home home ice advantage in the playoffs, and uh and just make sure everything's you know, everyone's healthy and everyone's ready to go, everything's clicking. If that takes a some tinkering and some losses or uh, you know, a failure to go on a, a crazy 10 game run or a 15 game run, then that, that's all right. Again, it's, it's the way she goes. I think this team is built uh, for long-term success. I love the coaching. I love the front office and uh, I, I love the, I love the locker room and the players, man. I, they, when we saw them at their golf tournament a couple of weeks ago, we got to sit down with a bunch of players and all of them were kind of ready for the cup bonanza to be over yeah we partied our asses off we've had a great time it's all been worth it but we're kind of sick and tired of it like let's go do it again because it feels that good and when you get a team that is sick and tired of celebrating and just wants to go back to the grindstone uh it's it's pretty exciting when you see how long or how long the the core of this team is locked up for. Yeah. I, I mean, I think Eric Johnson is just getting over the hangover if I'm being quite honest. So um, Griffin, you yeah, got any other questions, man? No, I think we're just about good on this one. I will ask you guys all together, all of us, we all think the abs are going Stanley cup final. Let's get our Stanley cup final predictions in right now. Avalanche and who? I'll go first. I got, uh, I got avalanche. And you ready for this? I, I got Avalanche and Lightning round two. Bold. Wow. I thought you were going to say. I thought you were going to say Capitals. I thought you were going to nope. say Capitals to get a reaction nope. out of I, it. I just I, until someone beats Tampa, I'm not going to pick against them in the East. I, I I just I can't do it. I can't do it. So I, I'm going to go Tampa again. I I'm going to 100 be wrong, but until someone other than the Avs can show that they can beat Andre Vasilevsky in the playoffs, I, I got to see it. So I it's bold. I know, but. I, I just have a feeling that until Tampa gets out of there, that, that's I just can't pick against him. I probably should have done that last year. I had the wrong <laughs> I had the wrong Florida matchup last year. I had the Abs mm-hmm. over the Panthers in six games. The Panthers get knocked out, obviously first round after winning a Presidents Trophy. Uh, don't talk to me about curses; they don't exist. But give me Colorado over Carolina. I like it. That's a good one too. I like it. In 7. 
Seven. That's fair. You took That's my fair. I like that not care. And if it's not Carolina, you know who it's going to be? Because this is going to be the East final. Hurricanes and Leafs. If it's not Carolina, Ooh. Toronto gets over the hump. I like it. I, I would, like it. I would hate playing the Leafs in the Stanley Cup final just from the, the media of it all. Man, we would be such a side character in that whole thing. <laughs> Ah oh, man, man! But I hate you. You stole my exact prediction. I I also have the Hurricanes in the Stanley Cup final because they're good. You don't love your Caps, man. You don't think the Caps do it? No, I don't think the Caps are going to do it, man. I feel optimistic. How about EA Sports coming out with the with Penguins over Abs in seven games? I saw that. I mean, I think the Penguins can make a run in the playoffs. I don't know how regular season wise they're going to do. Beating the Avs in the Stanley Cup final, I think that's a bit bold. But I could see the, the Penguins getting there. But for the Hurricanes, at least, they kind of strike me as a team right now, kind of like where the Avs were last season. Yeah. Big, just big yeah. disappointment in the, the second round against the Rangers. They'd fail to win a game on the road. And now everyone's really starting to ask those questions and the sheen's kind of worn off of them. I think this is the season where we see what Carolina is going to be. And I just believe they're, they've are they been doing all the right things for so long. And if they get a healthy Freddie Anderson in the playoffs behind their defense, I think that makes for a classic Stanley Cup final matchup. But the Avs just edge them out. And as for Tampa, I fully believe in them, but they've made three straight runs to the Stanley Cup final. This time, they lost. I mean, it's not like they didn't get less tired because they won this time. They lost this time, and they still went six games all the way. They're going to be ex- at some point. It just runs out. The legs don't it work has to. anymore. And when you have a team like Carolina that's still relatively young, has a lot of depth, a lot of speed, just does everything so well, I think Carolina could be, well, the perfect storm to beat them. Oh, there you go. I like I think, it. Again, Carolina Carolina got, I think they got a little unlucky last year in that draw where if, if Tristan Jari is healthy for three games, they like New York doesn't get out of the first round. Yeah. Pittsburgh in seven last year because Louis Domingue was terrible yeah. and Jari comes in, he finds a way to be healthy. And if, if he's healthy at some point, I, I seriously doubt that Igor Shesterkin gets to get on that role. Right. And if Carolina sees Pittsburgh in that second round, maybe they get through. I told I totally agree with. That. I mean, we said all of that at the time. I mean, it wasn't even just that it was Louis Domingue. That's their third string goalie. Casey DeSmith went down for them in the in Casey DeSmith forgot about that. Yeah, and uh, Jacob Truba goes head hunting on Sidney Crosby and was a game four or five in that series. And then all of a sudden, the Rangers just get those incredible like clutch goals and everything towards the very end. They close that out. They get the Hurricanes and the Hurricanes just they, they just couldn't win on the road. It was the strangest thing of all time. Yeah. So I think the Ra- the Rangers are going to be interesting because are they a playoff team if Shesterkin's a nine twenty? We'll see. I I don't remember if I said it on your show or if I said it on mine last year. Um, and this was going into last season. If the Rangers and the Avs don't combine for four or more cups in the decade, something has gone terribly wrong. Yep. I don't believe New York is ready to win now. I think they're ready to win soon. Not this year with how crazy hard the East is, but damn, man. Like if Capo Caco and Alexi Lafreniere decide to be top three picks, then they're scary. Yeah, that's the thing about them is they still have a bunch of room to grow, but they were definitely bailed out by Shesterkin 
a lot. But so just going back around, we both have the Hurricanes and the Avs. Christian, you have Tampa and the Avs rematch. And what do you have that in how many games, Christian? I have the Avs in six again. Real bold. Love I know. It. I know, man. It's it's boring, but it it's, just, it just right. gets it just it's even funnier the second time. So yes. we can run with that. The question is, do they win it at home this time? I hope so. If it gets in six, no, because I think Tampa just doesn't care about the regular season. They, they I agree. They, they like playing on the road at this point. And it it depends if I'm there or not. Because <laughs> like we know, See, that, was, three. that was the only thing that didn't go my way last year, fellas, is that the abs didn't win it at home. Because I had I had on ice, I had in locker room uh, availability. It was like just the altitude guys. So all the the partying and the videos that you saw, like that would have been at home for me, and it didn't it didn't find a way to to go my way. So yeah, that was the only stuck, thing that. Yeah. Instead, you were stuck seeing me and Griffin freak out when the. Hey, won. listen! I had a great time. <laughs> we we all had a great time there. Oh yeah! I mean, we're, you're the, talking. They didn't win it at home. The Abs did not win at home at all when I was ever? at games. They went zero and three. They yep. lost four games in the playoffs. I was at 75% of them. The only one I wasn't at was because it was in Florida. Well, Every- did they win a single series at home? I don't think they clinched a single no. series at home. Nope. No. Right? Because they they swept. swept. They won in five and they swept. Yeah. swept. Swept Nashville, game six in St. Louis, game four in Edmonton, game six in Tampa. I think they're the first team since the Caps when they won the cup to do that. All my teams hate me when they win cups. I'm not allowed, <laughs> I'm not allowed to see anything in person. At least they win. Yeah. yeah. That's look, at, look at me complaining when I have two cups with my teams. God. Get out of here, Tito. <laughs> there we go. I, I think that's our sign to uh, to let you go. Yeah. We, we, we got the puppies infiltrating the uh, the thing. So, Raj, thank you as always, man. We really appreciate it. Make sure you check out Raj on uh, 92.5 Altitude Sports Radio. Between the Pipes coming on Wednesday night. Can't wait for it. Uh, anything else you got going on that you want to promote real quick, man? As of right now, that's it. But um, stay tuned very soon. There may be a little bit uh, more of me to go around on the airwaves soon. I love it. Stay tuned. Love it. Always a wonderful thing to hear that there's going to be more Raj on the airwaves. And Raj, like Christian said, thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to join us. This is one of this is just going to become my favorite yearly tradition. We get Raj on to preview everything. We feel like we just get you on all the important cruxes of the season, just so you can uh, ground us and remind our listeners that's you know. Maybe me and Christian don't always have the best takes sometimes. But again, <laughs> we really appreciate they're, you, Raj. They're typically pretty damn good, guys. But we try. We try our best. But thanks once again, Waj. We really appreciate you coming on and hope to catch you in not too long from now. Fellas, thank you so very much. Uh, anytime. Again, just give me a shout and love being on with you guys. Uh, if you guys are listening, you haven't bought an All Hail Kale shirt. This is what they look like. They're fantastic. Fellas, I love it. we'll see you. I love it. Thanks, brother. All right, that was our talk with Raj. Always such a pleasure to have him on the show. Just just smart conversations. And I really appreciate how he humbles me and makes me remind myself that, oh, yeah, there are people way smarter with this stuff oh, than yeah. I am. Yeah, I mean, it, it adds a professional element to the show that's severely lacking. Yeah, sorely sure. lacking at, on yeah. 99% of the episodes. But, I mean, brought up a lot of great points. I thought the the talk on Georgiev was very helpful in looking about how he's just – he plays better with consistent starts, but he's never been in a position where he can get them. Stuck behind right. Henrik Lundqvist and then Igor Shosturkin, sometimes both of them. And just I, – I feel like it set like just a very strong expectation for the season where the Avs are the best team in the West, but we also have to understand that this team is not the team that it was last year. 
and we Correct. should we should not expect them to be. I was a little surprised on how much he loved Calgary. I I, I think we talked in our preview about Calgary's going to take some time, but Rosh thinks they're the they're the second best in the West. Yeah, I mean, I I think I agree with him. I think it is going to take time for Calgary, but when I look at every team in the West and the Abs going up against them in a seven game playoff series, I'm not threatened by Edmonton and against the abs at least i just think the abs are a team perfectly built to stop them against yeah. minnesota i think that's a very emotional and bloody series and minnesota can push that series deep but they just they don't have the talent level of the abs to to win that outside of a big upset we saw what happened with st louis they're the same team calgary if it all meshes for them i could genuinely see the abs having a problem with them if jacob yeah. Markstrom's good and they're getting the best from Huberdo and Nazem Kadri is still the, the player he was in Colorado and Noah Hannafin stabilizes that defense. I could see the abs having trouble with them. I really could. Yeah, I agree. It, it's going to be very, very interesting to see what happens with um, Calgary, but I, I still think we all agree that Colorado's the best. Yeah, they're the, they're the best. And it's like, it's like I said, if they're not in the Stanley cup final, something went wrong. Correct. And so I, I, I don't I just don't see a situation where that happens. Yeah. I mean, anything really in an 82 game season, anything can happen. But even looking at the roster right now, you know, you got a bunch of outside fans chirping in saying that the abs, oh, they're back to the the 2019 abs where it's McKinnon, Landeskog and Rantanen and nobody else. You give the abs some time to heal. You put you just put Landeskog back in there alone. It pushes like Sedlocker bleed out of the lineup and all of a sudden looks a lot better. Then you get past the trade deadline where they're gonna find another Cogliano and another helm and just guys to fill out the bottom and things are gonna be fine. Yeah. Like the panicking with it right now, it's like Raj put it in words that I never could. It's an October problem. Yeah. If we are having this problem in April, yeah, it's worth talking about. But right now. Like we were talking about, is Val Nachushkin a proper top six winger this time in October last year? Things are going to work themselves out. Yeah, they will. And I think Rosh said perfectly, like, we, we just don't care. Like October is yeah. going to be October and we will we will tackle that problem when we get there in uh, whatever month the playoffs start. Yeah, I mean, like, October's fun time. It's like it's hockey's back and like, you know, everything's still so up in the air and like who's going to be good and who's going to be in the playoffs at the outside of October. And there's so much time left. Everybody's still in it. It's like once you get to January, that's when you really know who's good, who's not, yeah. how the rest of it goes. That's when it really is just the slog and the business. You got too long left before the playoffs, at least for the first part, even if the apps are 500, who cares? Hockey's back. We're the defending champs. We got a new banner up and we're having fun. Yeah, completely agree. So, yeah, I mean, it's going to be a hell of a, a hell of a uh, hell of a season, and it all starts on Wednesday, and I cannot wait for it. Yeah, it's kind of hard. It's kind of hard to believe we're already back because it, it feels like in other off seasons, it's just like oh, it's been so long. It feels the opposite. It feels like it hasn't been that long at all. And I was in Colorado like a little over three months ago, and now we're already back. It's like that conversation we had on the on the train is like, dude, hockey's going to be back in like three months. Yeah. We're not going to be gone for that long. And here we are again already. Here we are. I'm ready to go. So I can't wait for it, man. And we'll have the full breakdown uh, of the first couple games coming up soon. But I don't think I have anything else for this episode, man. No, I think we're all good. I mean, I think credit to Raj. He covered just about all of it for us. So that's going to do it for us on this edition of the Tell It Abs. It is podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network, the final edition 
of the preseason. The next time you hear from us, we will have not one, but two games to talk about for the Avalanche, raising the Stanley Cup banner on October 12th against the Chicago Blackhawks. And then the very next day, going to Calgary for their home opener and seeing Nazem Kadri again for the first time. It's not like we're starting the season off small. We just got banger after banger, banner raising, Kadri return, Minnesota, and we're just going to be jumping right into the action. So looking forward to another amazing season with all of you amazing people, whether this is your first episode with us or you've been, God help your soul, if you've been with me all the way back (laughs) at the beginning, I'm very, I want to retroactively apologize for the quality of those episodes, but regardless, we appreciate all of you and we're really looking forward to what's just going to be an incredibly fun season. It's just such a fun time to be defending champs and just enjoy every second of it. We don't have to be stressed anymore. We did it. We won. Now we got to go do it again, but now we've learned what it is to win and what it takes. So let's just enjoy it. Agreed. Couldn't agree more. And shout out Raj for the promo on the uh, Kale McCarr shirts. He was rocking his during the interview. So make sure you can still go get those at denvernosebleeds.com. We would, we would greatly appreciate it. Um, And once again, thanks to Raj for jumping on, man. We really appreciate it. Yep. Always appreciate Raj. And you can use promo code Teledabs on SeatGeek for $20 off your first order of $50 or more. And we're back, man. We are fully back. I can't wait for next episode, and we will talk to you guys then. If you want to follow us on Twitter, you can follow me at GYoungsNHL. You can follow Christian at Christian underscore Belay, and you can follow the show at Tell It As It Is. But until then, when we've got two games to talk about, we will talk to you all next time. But until then, let's go Avs. Go Avs.